Easters. Hello, you're listening to Copyright Waffle, the podcast that brings you a nice cup of copyright enlightenment with a slice of cake. My name's Chris Morrison. And my name's Jane Secker. And we're a couple of self-confessed copyright geeks and we run the website copyrightliteracy.org. We're on a mission to make learning about copyright fun, engaging and empowering. And we're your hosts for Copyright Waffle, an archive of amazing chats with copyright experts and interesting people whose lives have been touched by copyright. So this podcast was one we recorded back in January 2022. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, with Professor Asun Estefe from the University of Barcelona. Yeah. Um, Asun is a professor of civil law with a specialism in copyright. Yes, and she tells us about her research on open access publishing. And she actually did a webinar for us, if you recall, back in January 2021. I remember it well. Yes, that was the first time we caught up with her. So this was the first time we actually got to meet her face to face. Yeah. And it was a pleasure. It was. Uh, It was a really good interview. Yeah. As all our interviews are, but this one, no exception. So we're going to give her a call now, aren't we, and have a bit of a catch up with her? Indeed. Let's see if we can raise her on on the video chat. Okay. Asun, hi. Hi. Hello. Uh, Hello. Where are you? One second. Can you see us? Yes. Can you hear me? We can yes, hear you perfectly. Hear you. Yes. Oh, you oh. have a cat. Yeah, this is my cat. <laughs> Lovely. This is Pickle. Yeah, she's she, she she's also wanted to be part of this, I think, didn't she? She does. But she's quite excited about... She likes open access. Open access yeah. and copyright waffle and yeah. yes... When I when I listen to the when I listen to the waffle, I think we it was quite interesting what what we talked about. It's brilliant. Uh, we thought it was excellent. Yeah, we and the, the the following up watching or being able to participate in the in the lecture, the talk that you gave as well was um, I, uh, it was yeah. brilliant for us to have had a bit of a sneak peek um, mm-hmm. as we yeah. said. No, no, you were very helpful too. Oh, okay. Okay. Ah, excellent, excellent. Thank yeah. you very much. So how have things been since you since you got back to Spain? Well, I have been lecturing a lot and I finished an article yesterday um, on open access for a Spanish journal. But okay. I have to start now for an English journal, another article that I hope to publish this year. So you're busy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite busy. But I'm going to Malaga, to the south. Oh, very nice. Oh, oh lovely. Yes. So it will yes. be warm there at least. Yes. I hope so, because yeah. it's where it's been really strange in March. Very cold. Well, that doesn't sound typically Spanish to us. No, yeah, no, it's no. very disappointing. Uh, but on that topic, what we wanted to do, we wanted to share something with you because we were we were very inspired by talking to you and hearing your lecture. And I think if you remember, there was a there was a conversation about maybe we needed to have a piece of music something that was related to to open access and what we were we were lucky enough actually to get when one of your countrymen uh, Enrique Iglesias agreed to record us a song (laughs) all about all about what had happened so we thought we'd just share this quickly with you actually not that isn't the right way of sharing the screen is it I was trying to share a window set need to just get to that point where I can share what are you going to share a window and share this one. Okay. Oh, all right. No, I haven't done it properly, have I? Because I need to oh. do sound. We've got we've got a little audio file here. In a moment, I'm going to do this properly. This is almost seamless, isn't it? Okay. Are you ready? Enrique, I mean, 
Okay. So it's a permitted use for education reasons or? Well, let's, let's find out. Let's have a listen and see what you think. Yeah, see what you think. But... quite sure what he was going to come up with but we wanted we wanted something as a <laughs> memento of your time with us and so we thought I mean who doesn't want a, a little theme tune for what they did I will show it to my family and friends because that's really good <laughs> I mean the thing is I think Enrique at that moment when he was recording it he might have been slipping back into his you know southeast English accent <laughs> but I don't care about Enrique you have but to you know, properly I think, yeah I've been giving a, a grant from the government to cover my my stay there, and maybe I will send. This is part of my my demo because I have to send now a report of what I did. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, this pretty much is all you need. This is really You basically say I inspired. I inspired, I inspired. A song <laughs> to be written about me. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's really nice. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. So, welcome. Yes, thank you very much and very pleased to be here. Yeah, it's lovely to have you actually see and see you in person, not yes, on Zoom. Yes, finally. Finally, yes. we met. Yes, yes. yes. So, yes, it's taken a while to work out the logistics of it. You are, and we'll talk a bit more about what you've been doing, what you're doing here in the UK, but we are lucky enough to actually be talking to you face-to-face. -face. Yes. Socially yes. distanced, of course. Yes. These yes. are the times yes. we live in. Yes, yes. Um, but yes, thank you very much. No, fantastic. Um, I think where we want to start, Asun, is just for you to tell us a little bit about your copyright history. So how you got into it, obviously, you know, it's it's our area of interest as well, but it's always interesting to hear people's stories about, you know, what, what led them to copyright. Is there a, is there a story there? Yes, there is a story, and that is the story of my university life. One day I was attending the course on property law, right? and the professor came and he said, today we are going to study or to learn about 
intellectual property, which is a special property, and that's the property on, well, creations, original creations. And he started explaining what is copyright. Mm. And I was totally fascinated because I thought, oh my goodness, this is rights on music, rights on films. I'm going to read court decisions about Phil Collins and all that stuff. So I thought <laughs> this is really fascinating. And this professor was my supervisor of my PhD. Right. And, well, he was excellent. I worked with him many years. And, well, he died two months ago. Oh, that's he, very sad. Yeah, I mean, and he was quite young. He was 65. Oh, right. But he was really um, a, a, a very qualified man, very wise. I learned a lot with him. Yes. And, and I always loved copyright because of him. And he really... He really loved it. It was really his his favorite subject. Mm. So this. So you is were you were doing your law degree, were you at the time? So you were studying yeah. all sorts of. Subjects. I was twenty years, maybe. Yeah. I was doing and and when he explained this construction of property uh, over this exclusive right, like you have a property right on a house, but you have this property right on an original creation, on a short tale, on a computer program, on a web page. I thought this is this this construction from the legal point of view is so so interesting. Yes. Yeah. And also because I like the background. No? Yeah. The uh, Phil Collins link. Yeah, Phil Collins link, <laughs> of course, and then many other links, no, to to theater, to literature. Yes. Of course. I mean, what what copyright is 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 law. So you don't have really to take into account how much, I mean, a painting or. Mm, the music, the the rationality of copyright is just legal, but it is very interesting, no, mm. to see how that matches. Mm. Yeah, so the concept of originality as it's defined in the, the copyright law. The concept of originality, the concept of exclusive right, mm. the fact that the copyright term protection is shorter than why why is it normally the copyright term fifty, seventy, eighty years after death, whereas the property on a house is uh, it's it's too as long as the house exists there's yes. a property right no mm-hmm. so this balance between exclusive rights access to culture that that is really very very interesting to see how the property right is m- modeled on um, spiritual things no yes yeah, yeah so it comes down a lot doesn't it to the, the uh, conversations about copyright get philosophical very quickly of course yeah and I suppose that's that's the case with many aspects of the law, really. Or, or it is, but in the case of in the case of intellectual property, it is even more interesting. But because it's it's the same with patents and trademark, no intellectual property as a whole. Yeah. How you can um, build a proper legal system which is well constructed and well justified to protect the interest of those who create mm. and. It's the originality as requirement is very interesting, as also the requirement of being the idea is not protected. Mm. It is the expression that is protected. And this is really very interesting. And you see many court decisions on the protection of ideas, this dichotomy. Yes. Protection of ideas, protection of expression. Then copyright exceptions are also very, very interesting Mm. because they it's a way to balance, no, the copyright hold their interest yes. with the user's interest in education, research, mm-hmm. freedom of expression. 
So it's a, it's a very interesting topic. Yeah. So when you were studying intellectual property um, in Spain, mm-hmm. um, and, and your current title, it's, it's, it's civil law yeah. that you're working in, so that, it, there's a link there to the fact that in, in Europe there is a different legal tradition to the one that we have in the UK, yeah. and, and, and in the UK and the US we have the, that common law yeah. and tradition. Yeah. Yeah. So there is a difference of fundamental view yes. Yes. of how... And it's, it's, they're called author's rights, effectively, across most of Europe. Yeah, well, this is one of the most interesting um, topics that I found when I came here mm. to learn a little bit about the UK copyright. I think um, the different approach is really very interesting and very controversial, too. Mm. Yes. So, uh, for example, the fair use uh, here in the UK and the US... We don't have the fair use, and I noticed that we don't really understand what fair use is. Mm-hmm. Because fair use is based here in UK and US on court decisions. Yes. And we don't have this system. So you have, we have the law, the rules, the mm. copyright exclusive rights, and then the copyright exceptions that are this one, this one, this one, this one. Whereas here is much more flexible. Yes. The system is more pragmatic too. But uh, I think the, the approaches don't really meet. No. <laughs> they don't really meet. So when you were studying, uh, was the focus primarily on Spanish or European law? Yes. Or were you learning, were you no, learning no. about the US, the UK no, and, the, no, no, and that no, approach? No, no. We, I, I just learned about. So I did my PhD, part of my PhD, mm. I did it in Germany, in Munich. Okay. Because there is a, an institute on copyright, Max Planck Institute. Oh, yes. Yeah, which, yeah. Is, which is really very good. Yeah. But we, I mean, we follow in Spain, the Copyright Act in Spain follows the German Copyright Mm. Act and the French Copyright Act. Mm. So, and it's based on civil law systems. Mm. So, no, no, no. I didn't really, I never learned about. So it's something you've learned subsequently. um, I'm trying to learn. Yeah. I mean, even even the common law system is so different from our systems. And and for me, it's difficult to understand, right? Yeah. It's a completely different approach. I think it's the other way around, too. So it's difficult. And in in the case of copyright exception, I think Mm. is where these differences are more... Apparent, apparent, I think. Yes, I would agree. Yes. And it's the case that... So from the philosophical basis... Mm the European copyright laws, and particularly the German one, is where you don't have a separation between these economic rights that you have as an author and, and, the, moral, the, mo- and the moral, and the moral rights, rights that you have about yes. the, your creative personality. They are they mm. come from yeah. it's that it's, monist it's, tradition of just one thing. Yeah. Is well, it is, there is a monist tradition and there is also a dualist tradition, mm. but in both cases, both moral and economic are in the same copyright act. Yes. They are in the copyright yeah. act. Mm. Whereas that's not the case in the UK. No. And I think that we, in, in, in our civil law system, we, uh, the, the origin of copyright is very close to personality rights. Because the copyright um, protects the originality as the expression of your personality on, in a world, which is very abstract in yes. comparison with the copyright approach here, I think. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, I'm also reminded of the excellent webinar, guest webinar you did for us, and it was a year ago. Yeah, now, exactly one it? year ago. Oh, yes. So you were talking to us about education and copyright and how that works in Spain. Yeah. And on that practical basis, um, exceptions to copyright usually come with remuneration. Yes. So that 
rather than that sort of flexibility, yes. uh, let's see whether the copyright exception applies on a fair use or a fair exactly. dealing basis. You've got a this is a very clearly delineated use, and there is a remuneration scheme, levies paid, yeah. and there's this organisation that collectively um, mm-hmm. collects those. So it it, it works differently. Mm. I guess my, my my question is: Do you, do you think that that from what you've seen, and we're going to talk in a moment about the fact that you are over here, you've been over here in the UK looking at what's happening here and comparing that with what's happening elsewhere. Do you think that actually changes the way in which yeah. Yeah, things work? Is, is it just is, it, is that really a very very niche thing that only people like us really uh, think, are that excited about? Yes, I think um, in, in, in Europe, or at least in Spain, and I think in Germany and in France, law is very conservative. Yes. Law is always conservative, I think. So... Things happen, and then law tries to find a solution. So law is always outdated. Yeah. But in the case of copyright, of course, uh, the technological changes are so rapidly mm. happening that in the the European directives are also behind mm. too. And the European directives now that Brexit has happened, they are totally civil oriented, much more than before. Mm-hmm. So I I don't think that we are going to get closer to the, no. the common one. No, but I, I guess what I'm thinking, wondering, is whether the way that and with, you know, publishers, users of copyright works, libraries, education institutions, is the way that they, they sort of access copyright material fundamentally different in the, the civil law countries where you have this remuneration scheme compared to how we operate, say, here in, in the UK? Well, the results are probably quite similar. Yes. Mm. The results are quite similar. That's mm. true. Mm. That's true. The approach is different. What mm. I think the, the approach is not going to change. So, for example, there was a judge in Spain who said in one court decision that he, he wanted to apply the fair use um, doctrine in a court decision, and he did, and he was very much criticized. Mm. Right. So probably the solution would be the best, mm. in, in, is the best, but the, the process, the reasoning is different. Mm. Mm. So you, were, you went from where you were studying in Spain, you went to Max Planck in Germany. Yes. And, and so where else have you gone? So you're here now in the UK. Have you gone to any other places in your, in your journey? Yes, my, my copyright route is, is, has been expanded to... <laughs> Uh, to New York too. I was okay. in in um, Columbia University. Oh, fantastic! Because I was writing my PhD and I spent there four months and I met Professor Ginsburg there. Mm-hmm. I also went to Humboldt, the Humboldt University in Germany. Right. Yeah. And the, the, there was a very nice professor there, um, Binke, Professor Binke, who used to be. Um, a dancer of classical music in the opera when he was young. Wow. Okay. Yes, and he became later copyright professor in Berlin. Wow, that sounds like an interesting copyright he, he was, history. Yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and Professor Vanke, yes, he was fantastic. And, and, and But I spent more, most of the time in Munich. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, fantastic. I, I've got some dance um, experience in my history. Maybe for another time we'll talk <laughs> yes. about that. Um, yes. <laughs> and those people who have seen me at a conference <laughs> probably well, got some no, evidence no, to show what, no, what a mover I, I am. Fantastic moves, yes. Um, yeah. So, I, 
I've made some references to it. You're here as a visiting researcher um, at Queen Mary University of London. Um, So can you tell us a bit about what it is you're working on and how that came about and kind of where you've got to in that? Um, Yes, I was working in Spain in a research group about open access to science. Right. Uh, I was the only legal expert. Most of them were um, librarians and uh, information technologies, Mm -hmm. uh, economists too. But I was the only legal expert. Mm -hmm. So I became quite interested about the legal problems of open access to academic publishing because there is a copyright underlying problem there. Mm. And I wanted to specialize. So I knew that UK is one of the countries in Europe which goes... Mm, is developing open access to to academic publishing beyond average in Europe. They are mm. really fostering here open access. They mm. are pioneers. Mm. And and I wanted to come and to learn about it and to know how to improve open access to academic publishing because I think it's really very positive. I think it's the future. But there are legal problems underneath. So, mm. so I came here and I was able to speak with some representative of the different stakeholders mm-hmm. and well it's been very productive in so spite, despite COVID and, and, and all these viruses it's been really very productive yeah. but, it, but is your perception also I think what you're saying is that in a way what's happening with open access in the UK is perhaps you know we've pushed a bit further ahead yeah. and so you're interested in kind of learning yes. more about that yes. do you think is that something to do with the different Legal traditions? Is there? Have you got any sort of thoughts at the moment? What, uh, that well, might, why that might be? Um, I read the Finch report, yeah, mm-hmm. which, as you know, was published in two thousand twelve. Open access was starting before the Finch report, but I think that UK has a long tradition in universities in research, mm. and they are some somehow. I mean, there are many known prizes from. English and British universities. Mm. And I think that maybe this movement to open access to scientific knowledge was was bigger from the very beginning. Yes. Yeah. And that also made that all these stakeholders became more aware of yes. how to make it. But I don't really think that it has to do with the copyright system. I don't think so. And I think that we had a similar uh, consideration when we were doing our copyright literacy uh, research and continuing to do it, but yeah. why is it that the reported, self-reported levels of copyright knowledge or copyright literacy amongst people in one country is different to another? Mm-hmm. And someone said, "Is it to do with the copyright system itself?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we say, "Almost certainly not, or certainly not just that. There's always a number of different factors involved: the yeah. the, the political and economic yes. history of yes. any you yes. know, area and how it's." I, how it's I think. I mean, I think the Finch report made that issue really. Gover- I mean, from the government, yes. somehow, yeah, a so big it put issue. Down, yeah, it put down a kind of marker that. Yes. and there was there was a yeah. this very strong support from the UK government for open access at that time. Even though those of us <clears> that have been looking through the Finch report, what came out of it, and there's been a lot of arguments about yes. how you interpret what they actually said. Yeah. Um, <clears> nevertheless, uh, David Willits, the minister at the time, and others in the government were, made some very strong supportive comments about open access and, and, and yeah. obviously put things in yeah. place to, to drive that through. And, and also the, the UK Innovation Research and Innovation yes. Council mm. 
has been pushing a lot. Absolutely. And yeah. the research excellence framework also, I mean... Prioritising open yes. access. Yes, so yeah. here in UK, yeah. if, if, you are research, uh, if you are doing research and you get a, a public funding, you must publish that in open access, also mm. in Spain. But in Spain, there is no control if you really publish it or not. Right. Here, if you want to have your um, publishing work highly qualified by the... What is the name? The Highly Excellence Framework. The Research Excellence Framework, You yes. need, you need yeah. to yeah. make your publishing in yeah, open access. Yeah, it needs to be available. That's, that doesn't happen in Spain. I think we said something as well when we were talking earlier about whether it was something to do with the library community as well, because yeah. I think the librarians in the UK quite early on got very behind open yes. access as a movement, yes. as something that they felt quite passionate about, but they yeah. could also do something to help support researchers. Yes, well, I think also in Spain, the open access movement has been led by librarians. Yeah. And I understand, because they are really the bridge yes. between research and publishing, publishing works. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I would, I would also imagine, though I have no evidence for this, I don't know, but clearly the US is a, a, yeah. a major, significant, yes. than the people in the US would probably yes. say they yeah. were the ones that no, were no, really driving that agenda. Yes. And the fact that, that we speak the same language, or in some might say it divided helps. by a common language, yes. but nevertheless, there's a lot of cross-working cross, cross mm. um, working. Mm. It has been over the years. Yes, but in Europe, I think that UK is really the leading country. Mm. Mm. It's interesting, that. So you are, um, and we're, we're signed up to, to uh, your guest webinar, which is later this week. Yes. I suspect by the time we've managed to get around to editing the podcast and getting it around, that will have happened. So yes. <laughs> um, Hopefully there'll be a recording. Uh, yes, I, I, I'm yeah. hoping yeah. But I wondered whether you could give us, so it's not really a sneak peek of what's going to happen, but you could give a short summary of what you will have already spoken about at the time the people hear this. Uh, so, well, I, I, my, my research has been, uh, I, I've, I've been talking with the, the main stakeholders, mm. so um, researchers, I, I am also a researcher, Yes. <clears throat> librarians, so I was very lucky to meet you. Also, I had a, a, a very nice talk with Chris Banks, yes. with Paul Aries from mm -hmm. University College London. I also met <clears throat> the head office of the head of Open Access from Cambridge University Press. Right. I had a meeting, a face-to-face -face meeting with him, and he was really very helpful. And I've been trying to find what is the the best way to expand open access to publishing works, to public, um, to scientific publishing. Because it's still very controversial. Mm. There are still some issues. And I've come to the conclusion that the best way to find the solution is to find a contractual agreement. So agreements, for me, between librarians and publishers are the best way to foster open access. This is why... I know you are familiar with the term read and publish agreements. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And I think that is maybe the best path to open access, but there are many, 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 many issues in the future mm. that I also think make do... There is much uncertainty about it, mm. about, the, about the future of these read and publish agreements. Mm. Yes. So it's a, it's a real transitional time. Yes. It's, it's very interesting, actually, hearing that. And I, I look forward to hearing 
the full thing and, yeah. and hopefully being able to contribute to, to mm-hmm. that discussion as Thank well. You. Yes. I think that there are some parallels, I think, in our world where we are negotiating collective rights mm-hmm. management access to mm. you know, extracts done under the, the, you know, the reproduction rights organisations mm. and how, yes, it's underpinned by copyright law yeah. and you've got things in the copyright legislation that allow those arrangements yeah. to happen. Yeah. But to come up with something meaningful yeah. that is actually reflecting what people need at any given moment in time, you have to have dialogue, you have to have negotiation, yeah. you have yeah. to do... Which is more like a... It, it, it's a... It's a private negotiation rather than let's fix it through a public, Hmm. uh, solely a public solution through legislation. No, no, no. Because because ultimately it takes so long to get the legislation through. It's always such a compromise that the world has moved on and then you find yourself at an impasse. And also because I I will try to explain that because I don't think that open access to scientific publishing must be solved. The problems must be, they shouldn't should be solved by the law. No. It's an, I mean, the law doesn't have to make open access um, available. Mm. I don't think that the legislature, the, the, the law has this responsibility. But there is, there are legislative solutions elsewhere. And uh, am I right in thinking in the Netherlands? Yes. They have provisions. Yes, but I will explain okay. why these solutions, this legislative action didn't work. Okay. Okay. I, I don't think it's a legal... The, the solution is not in the law. Mm. The law doesn't have to make open access to scientific publishing mandatory. I don't think so. Okay. Because I think... Well, I, 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 will, I will explain the reasons. So I think copyright has to balance public interest and private interest. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But, and then you have the copyright exceptions for that. But the copyright exceptions are for very specific cases. Yes. If you say that the law has to make open access to publishing, to scientific publishing, mandatory, you are really like destroying copyright on scientific publishing. It is the Creative Commons licenses, or it is the author itself, mm. themselves, who can really give up their rights because they think this is good. Mm. Publishers also give up the rights on copyright because they also think they must that that can be good, but the publishers can also earn money in another different way, not for the copyright. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But there are those that would then say, but why do you need any kind of exclusive right on scholarly communications at all? Mm. What benefit does it have if we no longer live in the same world where you have traditional publishing models where you invest in um, creating a product that you then have to print. and uh, If we just agree that universities are the custodians of academic yeah. knowledge, of the knowledge, then there needs to be a system where they can pay for the hosting of all of this content. But the content itself doesn't need to be protected by copyright because there's not the same incentive and reward system because academics are rewarded um, through the through that whole system of, of y- yes I understand what you mean I understand the point but mm. uh, the Berne Convention mm. uh, which is the international treaty on copyright recognise copyright on any original work yes so also a scientific work also yes. mm. um, a book for students also a medicine book whatever 
then, of course, copyright has to protect public interests, mm -hmm. like access to science. Yeah. But not up to the point as to making all scientific publishing deprived from copyright. Mm. So copyright, there is no reason why you can deprive authors of scientific works from copyright. Other thing is how to balance, how to find a solution that meets all the interests of universities, scholarly communication, authors and publishers. Mm. Mm -hmm. But it is unfair, I think, to deprive copyright from scientific works. Mm. I, I guess one of the issues has been the fact that you know the the academic publishing industry has just been making so much money yeah. from taking yeah. you know. I mean, I do really totally agree with that. And I think that is where um, the, the the reason for the complaining is yeah is there yeah. Yeah, because, you know, particularly now as well with, you know, university budgets are going to be yeah. really scrutinised, yeah. oh. you know, the, there is, I think there is a, a concern about monetising yeah. effectively what should be sort yeah. of, oh. you know, public knowledge. And, and, and I think copyright is, it has been used as a, a, a tool to to be able to yeah. kind of suck up all those rights and take them from I the I think author. this is the impression that you get, because yeah. copyright gives you the idea of restriction. Yeah. Not, not copy, not copy, not copy. But I, when I try to explain my, student, my students about what copyright is, for example, if a publisher publishes a book in the public domain, mm. um, the publisher can also prevent the access to that book. And it's not copyright protected. In the UK, we do have a copyright in the typographical arrangement yes. of a published edition. So do you mm. think that has We also any... have that. But... Okay, so you do have... But, but the fact is that he can prevent you from copying mm. the typographic, but mm. not the content. So does that typographical right... Could that not have a part to play in a model where you said, okay, we'll agree that copyright does not apply to the actual literary work that underlines it, if it is public funds, if it's a type of class of work that we all agree is scholarship, because yeah. we want it to be free from all that copyright protection, because otherwise it just creates the restriction. Yeah. But if a publisher wants to invest yes. in a product, yes. and it might need updating, because clearly typographical arrangement of print on page is no, hmm. longer, it's no longer the thing, it is some way of presenting it digitally because mm. we clearly some we want sort of database that allows yeah, because we to want search. to move away from PDFs but is there yeah. some kind of intellectual property right that publishers could claim that say this is our product this is our version exactly. of it and, and, exactly. and therefore you can come and get access to our version because we've added value to it it is, it is an is, investment yeah. so they can claim for a price absolutely but even if we, copyright didn't exist but shouldn't we be saying that the minutes of science and the minutes of scholarship should be free to all to reuse as soon as they're created. I think authors have the right to say about that, yes or not. But an author who's written a, a, a novel is very different from an academic author who's been who, is, who well, is employed to... Yes. It is their obligation to of communicate course, to... Of course, to but, but if, if he... Imagine, there are so many casuistics, yeah? Mm. Imagine, I, I don't work at any university. I mm. do my research on my own. I spend money doing research. And I publish a book. 
I think I have the right to say this is copyright protected. Other, other thing is that I think, well, it is scholarly communication is fantastic. And mm. I think that most of researchers, they want dissemination of the works. Mm. They want the scholarly communication. So they are happy to give creative common licenses, but they have the right to decide on this, I mm. think. And I think that even if it copyright didn't exist at all, publishers would restrict the access to mm. articles that they published, books that they published, they will do. As for example, you, you, you make an investment in, in making a chair, you can ask for free. Yes. I mean, Interesting. It makes, Very. Yeah, yes. Well, it's a, it's a fascinating whole area, really, I, that you're studying, and I think... You know, it does raise lots of really big questions. Yeah, there are very big questions. Yeah. I, I mean, I was discovering, actually, the big questions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think what's interesting to me, and I'm, as I say, looking forward to, to hearing, um, hearing your, your talk, is that I think it's, there's an assumption at the base that copyright is somehow the problem. Mm. The copyright yes, is... And, I, and think, I think that's what you're saying. And, 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 like, and no, I, it's, I it's don't think the that's the problem. No. Yes. The problem is the investment of the publishers. Yes. Mm. And even if you, if, you, um, if you manage to have open access to academic scientific, someone will pay for that. Mm. Yeah. Even if everything is free, mm. someone will pay. The problem is who pays. Mm. Mm. But the, the copyright is not the issue, I think. No, I think it you're, looks like the issue. It looks like the issue. It's certainly part of the mix because mm. you do need to, to and, and any solution that you try to come up with, whether that be a genuinely negotiated solution like transitional agreements and yes, how you do it, exactly. or one that is perhaps less negotiated, mm -hmm. but like the Harvard model and the UK SCL, exactly. that was based on that, where institutions decide to make a policy decision and publishers, a you know, number of publishers don't really no. like that. No, but nonetheless, like all of those things do draw on looking at copyright law and what it allows and who the owner is. Mm. Under, mm -hmm. But, but um, it, it does, I think what you're saying really resonates with me as well because each of those comes down to, ultimately, there is an agreement. There's an agreement between the, the, the authors yeah. and their yeah. employers. There's mm. an agreement between yes. the institutions and the publishers and government um, are putting out uh, you know, their requirements for ref and similar things. There are all these links of obligations, yeah. none of which are in themselves copyright law. Mm -hmm. And it's not like you could just exactly. tweak copyright law and suddenly all those other things are fixed. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's, that's what I'm... That's the way it is. I yeah. think so, yeah. Mm -hmm. Is it time for a jingle? I think it might be time for a jingle. <laughs> Let's have a jingle. Uh, time for the, I think we need... We maybe need some new jingles. Maybe we could have one that relates to open access. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm yeah. not sure what kind of brief we would need for that. What kind oh, of? I'm looking uh, forward to hearing what, what is the connection between music and open access. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, this is the longer one of the longer ones about jingles, isn't it? Is, it is. Okay, yes. let's give it a go. Take it away. Starting out and in our time of need, their wisdom, grace, and eloquence inspires us to succeed. They're the people who we work with, who brighten up our day and validate. 
Light your pedantry and send us on our way. There are copyright heroes. Brilliant. There they go off into yeah, the sunset. Riding off. Followed uh, by the sheep. So, <laughs> son, who are your copyright heroes? And so, yes, by, by heroes, obviously, we do. We mean people who inspire you in your work. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you talked about your professor who yeah. was your supervisor yes. um, yeah. early in your career, who'd obviously yeah. inspired you. Um, but other other people that you've met as well. Yes. Um, well, when I was in Germany, I met uh, two very wise professors who were the. Well, one of them was the director of the Max Planck Institute on Copyright, mm -hmm. Professor Schricker, and also Professor Dietz. They were both very wise men and very easygoing people, very humble. They were fantastic uh, because we had seminars uh, with them. Mm. Well, they were in German, so it was a bit difficult at first. No, but they were fantastic. Also, the professor I mentioned before from Berlin University, Professor Banke. Yeah, he was super welcoming. Mm. He opened the, the doors of the Humboldt University to me and he gave me a lot of stuff and he also explained me how he was interested in copyright. Normally, in the, 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 the people at university who are involved in copyright, I don't know if you have the same impression, but many of them are quite funny. <laughs> I mean, you know, copyright is also called entertainment mm -hmm. law. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. I've met very original people in the yes. copyright um, conferences. And um, so also Jane Ginsburg is also a heroine for yes. me. Yes. And, and here in, in the UK, I really, really, well, I, I never met Professor Cornish. And I never met Professor Sterling. I know they are like the big figures and they also died recently. Yes. yes. But I read the book um, about global mandatory fair use oh, by yes. Professor Bentley and Tanya Appling, which is a fantastic book. Yes, mm -hmm. yeah. And I, I was lucky to meet, to meet them here. And I, I mean, they are really, I would say they are like my heroes here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Tanya Appling is Australian, but she's really also excellent here in the UK. And yes. yes. She was my supervisor. Yes, because she was. Yes, oh, yeah. knows her very well she's, as well. She's yes. excellent. Both, yeah. both of they're, them. They are fantastic. They are, they are fantastic. And the book is so provocative for yes. a civilian, mm -hmm. for an expert on civil law. Yeah. It's very appealing, like... Well, let's discuss what quotation is, what fair use. Mm. Is that mandatory for all the countries, even not common law countries? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, we've got, um, again, I'm not quite sure when we'll have edited this and got it out, but we do have an event coming up mm. at the in Institute, Institute of Advanced Legal Studies oh, yes. uh, at the University yeah. of London. Uh -huh. um, and it is for Fair Dealing Week. So we have Fair Use, oh, Fair wow. Dealing Week. Set up by set up by Kyle Courtney at Harvard. Kyle is going to be joining us for the first event, and then Jane and I are going to do our you know our bit, and then we have Tanya Applin mm. and Dr. Emily Hudson. Ah yes, Emily Hudson also wrote talk about, a very interesting book. So we're we're going to have them talking about it's building on um, Lionel and Tanya's book around 
global mandatory fair use and they're looking at quotation norms mm-hmm. in the publishing industry so yeah, um, right. yeah that's yeah. that that event is chock a block full of copyright heroes for us but Lionel is pretty much uh, a standing yeah person on everyone's hero. list of copyright heroes yeah yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah yeah so um we like to ask people whether they have interesting stories or anecdotes or nerdy facts about copyright. So typically when we're talking to people who aren't in our world, you know, there's a kind of thing we want to do to hook them in. Why? Well, what is it that, you know, is an interesting thing that we, we think we might be able to tempt them into our world with? Have you got something you could share with us? Uh, yes. I think one of the most interesting issues about copyright is the copyright term. Mm. how it changes in every country right? And, yeah. and how to know if for example if you want to publish a book by Agatha Christie mm-hmm. in Spain so what is the law to apply the English law because maybe her copyright is still here in mm. the UK uh, valid yes yeah. and, but not in, 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 in Italy or not in the UK or not in Canada how, can you mm. publish or not so this is a very interesting issue yeah. and it is a very complicated very complicated issue. Absolutely. And uh, I met, when I was in Munich, I met a German composer who composed an opera on The Little Prince. Okay. By yeah. Saint-Exupéry. Yeah. That was in 1998. And he was sure that The Little Prince was in the public domain. Yeah. Because this man died in 1944, mm-hmm. Saint-Exupéry. And uh, according to the French Copyright Act at that moment... The copyright term was life plus 50 years. Right. So he thought, well, the public domain was the, the, the Little Princess since 1994 in the public domain. Mm. But no, no, that was not the case. So I investigated a little bit for him. Yeah. And because he was the, the brother of a friend of mine. And, um, well, I, I discovered that that was such a controversial issue the copyright term on uh, Sinexupery works. The Little Prince, you know, is super famous. Mm. Is copied everywhere. <laughs> so mm. there are a lot of copyright infringement. But the, 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 the problem is that in some, ca- in some countries, the Little Prince mm. has no more copyright, is in the public domain. But in France, they have a very specific term for the case of Sinexupery. Because Saint-Exupéry died fighting for France. He right. was a pilot, and in the Second World War, he uh, went in a mission in the war yes. in 1944, because he was a pilot, and he was a pilot for the army. Yeah. So yeah, he yeah. disappeared. So his copyright term, the copyright term of his work, was only 50 years. But after the Second World War, in France, they changed the law because they took into, into consideration authors who died in the war right. because they died very young. Oh, oh, of I course, if, if you are an author and you die young, then the copyright term is, is shorter. Yes. Yeah. So these people who died, these authors who died in the war, the French Copyright Act said, well, we are going to extend the copyright protection 50 years more Right. So he got the protection of 80 years after his death. Mm-hmm. Wow. But because he died, he died yeah. for yeah, poorly yeah. France. Yeah. And also because his novel, The Little Prince, was published in 1943. 
So before the end of the war. Right. And then he had an extra um, uh, copyright extension, eight years more. Really? So that was so complicated until I discovered that, because I, then I talked to a French colleague and asked her about what is the protection for the little prince. Because this yes. Is, so the little prince in France is protected until 2033. Wow. Okay. <laughs> wow. So it's it, it but it's really difficult to to know and to explain. So he did, did he he didn't write his opera or he cha- he changed Well, he the the composer he didn't ask for permission but he finally contacted his heirs. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. And they liked the opera very much. The opera, right. the opera was So he did it with permission and he got the permission. Okay, nice. That's a nice story then. Yeah, that is. Fascinating. No, and the opera was really beautiful because, you know, the prince was an instrument, the fox was another... It, it, it is a beautiful opera. Yeah. That's, yeah, because it's got... Um, in And one of the facts that we've had on previous podcasts uh, was in, in the UK with Peter Pan and J.M. Barrie. Yeah, yes, there yes. Was, it wasn't to do with you know, him dying in service, but it was to do with um, one of our previous prime ministers, James yes. Callaghan, and he wanted... To be because it was the Great Ormond Street Hospital. Exactly. So it was the, the yes. That that is a beautiful story. This, it is. This is yeah. a beautiful story. Mm. But I guess it, it does, in some way, some would say, well, that's a, it's a nice story. It's a nice thing to do, and there are obviously reasons for it. But hang on, isn't shouldn't copyright law be? Shouldn't we have duration? We have things in order to to try to make it as straightforward to work with as possible and say actually that one we we just have that being a bit longer and it's quite a good cultural you know export for us so we'd quite like to have protection for it for a little bit longer yes yes but it is it's interesting how obviously that's an example of where you know a, a, a one work is inspiring another work and making an adaptation you know turning a book into an opera. There was something we were reading recently about musicals and how many musicals are based on works that actually end up are public domain works. And let us not forget that we still have the film ad- adaptation rights for copyright and e-learning, second we edition. Do, yes. So we, that's not with the publisher. No. <laughs> so that's, that's something that we're... Yes. You know, we, we're talking to a few studios at the moment, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah it seems like the kind of thing that would probably... You know, do really well. I think it's Hollywood sort of blockbuster. I think we need, but we need to get the right people in place. We need the right team. We need yeah. a big budget as well. Absolutely. Um, time for another jingle, Chris. Time for another jingle. Time right. for another jingle. Line us one up, please. Okay. Okay. Copyright news time. So, um, can you share with us any interesting topical copyright news items, Asan? Anything that you think our listeners would love to hear about? Um, they love copyright, so what's going on in the world? Um, well, I am particularly interested about a new copyright exception uh, that the directive on the digital single market has introduced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm afraid UK is not going to implement, adopt, it. implement yeah. it. And this is the copyright exception of pastiche. Have you heard about it? Pastiche. Pastiche. Yes. I think we do have it. Yeah. Because we, we actually snuck it in, even though we, we, weren't, we weren't required to. It wasn't mandatory, but our intellectual property office said, 
we'll have all the ones we can have. Yeah, one because it's, 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 it is, yes, you introduce it. Yeah, yeah. parody, um, and pastiche. Caricature and pastiche. Yeah. But pastiche is really interesting, actually. Pastiche like is very, 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 very yeah, interesting. What, um, what is it? I, we, we don't have, in, so in Spain, we don't have any tradition at all about this exception. Right. And it's mandatory for yeah. all the European countries yeah. now, well, the European Union countries. So pastiche is an exception mandatory only for users only for users mm. of content sharing platforms okay like yeah. youtube or yeah. social media so yeah. Yeah. instagram yeah so pastiche is using pre-existing works mm. at the same time mm. and making a mix mm. so i don't know how to use if you have this word in spanish is make a meme so a meme is when you take for example the image of a film and you change the face set. The, the memes, memes is how yes. we, say, we, we call you them memes. memes. Yes. Yeah, we you, we them my memes. son, my son just Loves comes it. and talk. He just describes memes to me. He just comes into the room and says, "Right, there's this meme, and it does this." Right. And I'm saying, so it doesn't make is, sense unless you look pastiche. at it. This is pastiche. Yes, okay, this is okay, pastiche. Okay. So that has a huge application. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And I, I'm, I'm just wondering how does it going to work because it's not only in in YouTube or no other online platforms, mm. but also yeah. in social media. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, well, I think it's a good approach. Yeah. Because that is really difficult to control too. And well, freedom of expression. And is it in some way sort of legitimizing what's already happening on yeah. a lot of these platforms anyway? Yeah. So it's a kind of a way of, of saying actually, yeah, because we're not going to go after people exactly. for these, these sort it's, of it's a remixes, way, mash-up things. Exactly. It's, it's a question of not preventing people from expressing. Mm. Of course, you have to find the balance with the copyright protection. Mm. Then we have the new Article 13 of the digital single market, exactly. if I remember it rightly, because they changed the numbering, but that's the one that effectively says you have to have the filtering in place to check yeah. whether mm. the copyright material is being used. So it's, it's really um, an, issue, yeah. an issue, but yeah. I, I didn't know that pastiche was in the UK uh, with quotation. We haven't had any case law. Section no. 30A of the Copyright Designs and Patents Act, Caridi, caricature, parody and pastiche, mm-hmm. um, and we've been looking at, you know, Deckman em- is the em- main... Emily Hudson's been doing so some Emily, work in that Emily area as well. Emily I think she's written, very interested in... She's written a paper and she actually yeah. has gone very deep into the history of what pastiche means. Yeah. And she refers back to um, a concept, an Italian concept of pasticcio. So she's arguing that pastiche covers very broadly these all these different kind of remix works and um, potentially... Uh, uh, academic and scholarly applications. So, in and we talked to Richard Misek, who's a filmmaker here at Kent, um, who who makes films from mm-hmm. fa- found footage or or from different uh, sources and puts them together uh, and, and remix. So, mm. it, it's interesting that in Europe, it's quite narrowly yeah. bound to if you're a user of a social media or, or online platform yeah. rather than. The way, the way that it's in the UK law is it's it's fair dealing. So it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's that that's again the issue. So this is why for for us this pastiche is a way of implementing a little bit for each fair use. Okay. okay. But but it's it's this pastiche has no tradition in all the civil law copyright countries. Right. So, that's so it's like a bomb. It's like a bomb that you, <laughs> you don't know how to deal with it. No, it's. 
but the it's copyright hot potato. It is. It is exactly. Yeah. It is a copyright hot potato. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. I'm I'm glad that it's been introduced as mandatory. Yes. Yeah. 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 Because you make it optional, people say, "Oh, well, yeah." Well. <laughs> Too complicated yeah. to implement. <laughs> Poor judges. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so. Uh, We like to ask people where they go to keep up to date with their copyright uh, knowledge, information about copyright. So ah, yes. how do you find out the latest of what's happening? Well, yeah, so in in Spain, uh, there is an association like Alai, so Blaca, like Blaca, yeah. you know, yes. like British Association of the... Alai International Association It's of the, Copyright. That Alai is the Association of... Literary, literary artists, artists. And international. It was, yeah, it, yeah. So it was the, the coming together right at the beginning of yeah. the, the Berne Convention. The, the, yes, that a whole international. Yes, with let's come together. I think it, Victor Hugo was the founder. Yes, I right. think, yeah. If I'm not wrong. Okay. Mm. So in Spain we have the Alada, the Spanish version, mm -hmm. and. Um, well, my my supervisor was one of the the special ones to 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 keep us informed about um, news in Spain. Yeah. So I I I normally get get informed about new court decisions, new legislative amendments there. But for example, in for the rest of the world, which is not is not easy. So I am in the IPCAT. Oh yes, yes. yeah. Google group, yes, yeah. which is quite good. Yeah, I also I am sub I have sub subscribed me to a blog of Kluver Kluver Copyright Law. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also follow an American lawyer, but it's difficult because yeah. it's it's huge. Copyright is a vast topic, and it is. And I also have to know about other civil law matters. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and I guess there's just so much as well now shifted online. So there is, it, it, you know, it's great because you can join webinars and all sorts of yeah. things that are happening yes. around the world. But yes. then it also feels a bit more overwhelming trying yes, to keep up with much. that. Yes, too much. Yes, too much. Too yeah. much. Yeah. In fact, we since we've been doing our webinars on a regular basis that we've actually in compiling copyright news for our community. We, actually, find, we find it really useful it's to actually keep ourselves up to date, yeah, don't so we? So we kind of are able to keep an eye on what's going on elsewhere because you know we've kind we of set that. up an obligation to, to pick out the key things because, like you said, there's so much it's, information, it's there's so much noise. Yeah. If you just do a search for copyright or intellectual property, you're just... Yeah, yeah, overwhelmed. Yeah. yeah, but there are always very interesting and and, and funny cases. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's yeah. Of course, I mean, if you want to to be to know all all the little cases, and because there are, so, I I remember also a case of a medium, you know, a medium. Yeah. Oh yes. Who was claiming copyright on the connection that she had with the dead people. Really? Yeah. With the spirits? Uh, yeah. <laughs> the relationship. Well, the, how, the, how, the messages. The messages, the messages oh, that I she see. got. Okay, okay. Surely I mean, it would depend when they died, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that person died 43 years ago. Right, so. Maybe it's their, no it's their heirs that own the copyright in the messages, surely. Unless, of course, it was all a figment of her own oh, imagination. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes. 
I think it's at that point in the interview where we were on to our last question, but also we do like to um, bring our guests some kind of uh, sweet treat, don't we? Sometimes we bake so. something. Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah, we have not oh, oh, time, oh, we? we? haven't, we haven't oh, done any thank baking. Thank you. That, but that was, I, I, I read a question about bakery, but I didn't know that, that I was going to be offered. Yes, a, yes, a yes. You might want to... You might want to have a have one of these well tell us whether you like it or not but before you have a look at what we've brought you what would you say what's your favorite type of cake because you can't talk about copyright and not have some kind of sweet treat to, cake or you know, dessert well yeah. i'm sorry to disappoint you you're not going to say you don't like no, any I, I like cakes okay i like cakes but i am i like cooking but i don't i don't like cooking cakes okay okay because i think here in england in uk in in Germany too, you love cakes. We yes, do. yes, we do. Yes. This yes. question can only come from people from England. <laughs> I think so. We, we love baking. We you are, love baking. And we're quite cake focused. I mean, on TV there are programs oh, on baking, baking, and yeah. baking. It's pretty yeah. much 50% of all of the commissioned TV programs <laughs> in this country involve baking of some description. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, I like eating sweet things, of yeah. course, but I, I like cooking. Mm, like for example paella, fideuá, this this typical Mediterranean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you were going to have a sweet treat, something just really yeah, because you have lots of lovely naughty treat. What what would be your favourite? So I love cheesecake. 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 Oh, okay. I love cheesecake. Yeah, yeah. And an American style baked cheesecake, that sort of thing. Or do you have a? Oh, I like German cheesecake. Oh, okay, nice. Nice, yeah. That's from your time in Germany. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you very much. Thank you to you. It was really interesting. We have brought you some... Coconut macaroons. Yes. So they're vegetarian and gluten-free. They are. Ah, thank you so much. Yeah. They look great. Macaroons. Oh, yes. Fantastic. uh, It's quite close to lunchtime, so you probably don't want to open them now. No, but for my train back to London, I will... (laughs) <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. Thanks so much for sharing it your copyright. Very, very, very interesting. Your, really. your work you're doing at the moment. We've really thank enjoyed the interview. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're really very well informed, I well, have to say. Oh, well, <laughs> we are slightly obsessive about copyright, it has been said. So uh, we'll definitely be tuning in. Um, we'll put all the links to all the things we've spoken about today in mm-hmm. the information on the on the podcast when it goes out yeah. and hopefully will the webinar be recorded that you're doing I this week I think so yes yeah. mm-hmm. so that'll be really great to, to put a link to that and, yeah. Uh, yeah. and we'll definitely be following up on that conversation yeah alright thank, thank you, you very, very much, much. it's not legal advice but it will have to suffice because it's copyright